Hey friends, it's Shauna, your nerdy girlfriend and life coach from SimpleOnPurpose.ca. Welcome to the weekly podcast where I aim to keep every episode under 20 minutes because I know we're all moms on the go. You're probably listening while you're driving, while you're doing chores, while you're walking. I like to listen to podcasts while I get ready at the end of the night when I'm washing my face and brushing my teeth and all that kind of stuff. So welcome. I'm glad you're here at Simple On Purpose. For those of you who are new, we talk all about the ways that we can simplify our home, our hearts, and our lives and show up for our life on purpose. And so today we're going to talk about being a mom on purpose. So first, let me say happy spring. It was Easter, so I hadn't worked in like four or five days, and I am really feeling a lack of momentum coming back into it. I had spring break off with the kids, and then we jumped right into Easter. I did not factor this into my work schedule to have the kids home for so long. And the other night, my husband and I were sitting on the couch, and I told him how work is just in the back of my mind because it's been put on the back burner. And you know when you feel like there's one area of your life that's not how you want it? Everything else just kind of feels sharky, as my friend Ray would say. And I was just feeling this low level of sharkiness. And I realized that like, I felt like things were falling apart at work. I was switching hosts, I had technical issues, the podcast wasn't loading, I felt like I was hitting a wall. And I was just spiraling into discouragement and what is all this for. And I know I talked a bit about this in the last episode when I feel like there's one problem in my life that all I see are problems. And years ago, I would just like ride this spiral. My job is wrong. My home is wrong. My kids are wrong. I am wrong. And Connor and I would get into so many arguments in our first half of our marriage. Well, okay, we've been together 17 years. So let's say the first three quarters. (laughs) And sometimes he would say, it's all doom and gloom with you. Like, I'm a pretty happy person, but when we were fighting, he's like, it's all doom and gloom. It's either perfect or it's horrible. And I was like, oh, he's wrong. But as I watched it, just silently watched, I realized he was right. And I can see how I just spiral into this place very easily. Now I'm paying attention. I'm seeing that when my brain goes through these really negative places, and all of this, all of us have this, it's called automatic negative thoughts. Like the other night, When I was tucking my kids in, my daughter who's eight, Linnea, she said, can I tell you something? And I said, yeah, what is it? She's like, today I had some really bad thoughts that came into my head. And she told me what she was thinking. And I asked her if she believed them in her heart. And she said, no, I know those thoughts aren't true. And so I talked to her about having a problem brain or a danger brain that our brain thinks a lot of negative things and wants to find a problem because it does this so that we can make sure we are doing something about the problems in our life. And I reminded her that we're the ones listening to our brain and we need to talk back to it. And so when we have these negative thoughts and I have them all the time too, I told her I have thoughts like this and sometimes I think this is so bad. Well, like, how could I think that? Why would that thought come up? And instead of getting mad at it or defensive, like resisting it, I can just say, well, I don't actually believe that. And this is mindfulness. And people talk about mindfulness like it's this crisp, clear, bright, serene experience. And it can be if you are being mindful about lovely things, which is a worthy thing. But we also need to be mindful about the rest of our lives, the not so lovely things, the things lurking in our brains and hearts, the stories that we're believing about how we're doing it wrong or they're doing it wrong or they don't care or this is all too hard. 
And we need to pay attention because we start to act on these thoughts. We show up from these thoughts and how they make us feel. So now instead of being the mom we want to be, the mom on purpose, we're the mom who's acting from fear and resentment and pessimism and victimhood. And when we're acting from that place, our outcome is always disconnection and frustration and helplessness. And we know we're doing this when things just feel off. There's two selves to us. There's the self we want to be, our ideal self, and there's what we're actually doing, the self we are. And all of that area in between is called cognitive dissonance. It feels uncomfortable. It's, I know what I want to be doing, but I'm not doing it. And our work as women and people and moms is to accept and love the self we are while moving towards the self we want to be from a place that feels positive and loving with abundance and hope because instead we try to use shame and anxiety, real negative motivation to move us there, but that will fizzle out. So let's get back to being a mom on purpose. When we are a mom on purpose, we are one being mindful about the stories that we are believing about ourselves and our motherhood and really our kids too because we can have a big problem separating the behavior from the child and i talked about that a bit in a recent episode parenting the wrong issue and number two we are being a mom on purpose when we are choosing to not let our emotions take over and run the show (laughs) what are we going to be led by instead Instead of our emotions, of the fear, of the resentment, of the frustration, instead of being led by that, we need to be led by our personal values. So you might hear me say, how do you want to show up? And this is what I'm pointing back to, our values. So our values are those core qualities, like you can feel them deep inside of what's important to you and how you are as a person. Like you feel like you are stepping into integrity when you are living in line with your values and we all have different values it's worth considering what yours are this is at the core of almost everything i teach the free worksheets i have on it the life on purpose workbook the life on purpose roadmap i do values with every one of my coaching clients because i want you to know yours i want you to know what's important to you in this season of motherhood because these are going to be your directives these are going to be your like lighthouse so to say My values for 2021, when I sat down and wrote them out in uh, January, are fun, action, and empathy. This is what I want to be led by. Not by scarcity thinking or fear or victimhood like I have so much in the past. I want to problem solve. I want to plan things. I want to respond to things. I want to just show up for the fun, the action, and the empathy. This is what I want for me. Because here is what is hard for so many of us to see. Being a mom on purpose also brings the work back to the only place you have total control of. You. You don't have control over your kids, what they think or feel or do. Like, that's their journey. And if you are like, yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't like that idea. I want to have control. <laughs> I don't like it either. I was the mom Googling all of the ways to get my kids to listen better, sit at the table, not fight, you know, just listen to what I tell them the first time. All of that is a version of do what I want them to do when I want them to do it, how I want them to do it, plus also be happy about it. Because we, we really think deep down if our kids change, 
then we get to be happy. So we focus a lot on trying to force change in them. But what, what our kids do or don't do was never the reason we were so unhappy. And when I rely on that, I give away my power to these cave people <laughs> of my children and how they choose to feel. I give away my power of feeling happy over to them. But here's the, here's the rub for me. I'm not saying it doesn't make it easier to be happy when my kids are well-behaved. But also think about kind of what we expect from them and if it's really worth fighting for at all costs. Because think about this. We want obedience from our kids. Plus, they should also be grateful, right? And they should be hardworking, like don't half-ass those chores, don't shove things under the bed. And we want them to have a good attitude, even when things don't go their way, like don't pout if you have to share with your sibling. And they should be agreeable, even when they don't agree with us. So this is more about like, I want my kids to listen to me, they should be obedient, but also all these other really noble traits. And I just want to gently point out what I've learned in myself. We want them to be all of these things. We put a lot of pressure on an unfully formed human to kind of be the superhuman of grace and grit and humility and positivity, which for one, like if you met a person with all of that, they'd be a pretty epic person. And let alone expecting a child to be that because for me as an adult with life experience and a fully formed brain, I'm not all of these things. Definitely not all at once. (laughs) So if we pay attention to what we are actually showing them, we can see that even we aren't being very good models of what we think they need to be. So like when my kid isn't being grateful, I grumble about it. They should be more grateful. You should be more grateful. And then I'm not being grateful. Or when my kid has a bad attitude, then I'm kind of grumpy about it and I nag them about how they need to have a better attitude. When my kid disagrees with me, that feels uncomfortable. I think they should just agree with me. So I start telling them all the reasons why I'm right. Boom, respect is off the table. So maybe this focus of what our kids are too much of or not enough of or struggling with or lacking, maybe we can also be mindful about what it looks like in us because we all hear this, but I don't know if we really believe it, that kids learn by seeing what we do more ever than listen to what we say. Like even just think about this in your own life. What habits have you picked up from your parents despite what they told you, what they taught you with their words? How do you handle money? How do you handle conflict? How do you talk to others? How do you handle stress? Like if we're parents doing the work, in ourselves of being purposeful and peaceful and positive while still allowing for the parts that aren't positive, the parts that are hard, then it's like we have these little apprentices watching us and learning what it looks like. Rather than having parents who need us to obey and be happy because as parents, we think that's what's going to make us happy. Really, I know it makes our life easier, doesn't it? Obedience and happiness from our kids makes our life easier, but it also glosses over real life because we don't want blind obedience in our kids. We want them to be obedient, but not blindly obedient. We want them to grow up to be people who assert themselves, stick up for themselves and others when they know something is wrong. We think we want happiness all the time. And I covered this in episode 66, The Hustle for Happiness. We buy into the myth that we should be happy all the time. And if you aren't, something is wrong with you. (laughs) What a 
lie. It pulls us out of doing the work of dealing with the things in our life that aren't happy and are hard. And it puts us into this hustle of keeping everyone happy. And this hustle, how we're trying to just get everyone to be happy all the time, it moves us further away from creating a sustainable and empowered vision of how we show up as a mom. Like I used to think if my baby was happy, I was doing it right. My first baby, he was pretty happy. <laughs> Didn't teach me anything. Then I had a second baby who was never happy. <laughs> now what? <laughs> so if you want to hear more about that, check out episode 66. I'm going to link that in the show notes. But having that second baby who wasn't happy, when I had kind of built up my life around just don't stir the pot, fly under the radar, it made me realize, I'm a type nine on the Enneagram, by the way, obviously, it made me realize that I was chasing comfort. And when people around me were happy, it was easy. I didn't have to do much work. And happy, this hustle for happy wasn't making me a better mom. And it wasn't helping me teach my kids contentment and emotional intelligence and coping skills. Recently, I was at a bookstore and there was a toddler, a mom, and a dad. And there was a conversation happening where it was just the mom talking at the toddler. And the toddler was walking around with this purse in her hand. And the mom was asking her to pick out some books. And the dad kind of said, I'm going to put that purse back. And the mom said, she's in a weird town, out of her element. If she wants a $30 purse to make her happy, then she can have it. And the dad kind of walked away. I, I don't think he really <laughs> liked this. And then the, the daughters, the toddlers like, where did dad go? And the mom kind of shouts towards him. Oh, dad walked away. I don't know why. She wants you to come here. And I'm not saying this to mom shame because I had the opposite of judgment towards her. I had compassion like, I just wanted to go over and hug her, really. I just wanted to hug her and be like, it's going to be okay. Do you want to go get a coffee? Like, do, do we go get lunch together? I was not there to judge her because I totally get it. Because all I could think was that was me. I just wanted everyone to be happy all the time. I was like a manager directing all the people, supplying the goods, keep everyone happy. And if they weren't complying with the happy plan, they got my grief. Because happy meant we were doing it right. It made it easier. <laughs> but in the chase for happiness, I could see that I was causing a lot of anxiety in myself, in my kids, and a lot of strife in my marriage. And I really felt like if I can't figure this out, it's too hard. And, and this is all helpless. So I don't want to generalize this mom's experience because I know what it takes to get to this place. She was probably up all night with a toddler in a new place. She's probably tired or there's some really unfun reason why she has to be in this town or she's just feeling overwhelmed. Like, I don't know. I don't look at her and say, this is a mom who's controlling because I know that the truth is we scramble for control when we feel like we don't have any. But what's really happening is we don't feel capable of dealing with things. And when we feel like we aren't capable, we focus on control instead. And just bring it back to reminding yourself that I actually don't have control over all these people and what they're thinking and feeling. That's their own world. That's their own journey. But I do have control over me. Being a mom on purpose means we turn off the autopilot because our thoughts are on autopilot. We show up with the same assumptions and stories and reactions because they have become habit in our brain. It also means we stop showing up from stress, frustration, low-key anger. I've had plenty of that. Mostly because change doesn't happen here. And it just feels better to let go of that. 
It also means we stop beating ourselves up with how we struggle over motherhood. We shame ourselves a lot and we shame our kids because it works, because it compresses us down and it makes us cower. But that shame also feels like crap and it keeps us from making changes that are based in love and moving towards something positive. Being a mom on purpose means we step into doing it on purpose. We show up with intention, with mindfulness, responsibility, with our values, even when it's hard. We stop making hard things harder and we look for ways to be more proactive. When we are a victim in motherhood and as a previous mom martyr, as I talked about in episode 67, we tell ourselves we're helpless and then we stop being responsible with the power we do have. And when we're a mom on purpose, we look for ways to enjoy this whole experience and we start pouring into the mom we are because you are an awesome mom. You just need to start letting that shine through again. There are things only you can bring to motherhood and you are the mom meant for your kids. You are an awesome mom, even if you've lost your confidence, even if you feel so angry, even if you feel stressed all the time, you are the mom for your kids. But let's honor that part of your journey. It's felt like a detour, and that has been a lesson that you needed. And now I want to help you step into empowerment, where even if your kids don't listen, even if you feel overwhelmed by the chores and the crying, if you feel like every day is Groundhog Day, I want you to know how you can still be a mom on purpose. If this is something you're interested in, in two weeks, we're going to hold a mom on purpose boot camp. two days of it. It's a deep dive. It's an intensive session with me times four, because we're doing it for two hours each morning. Stop by the life on purpose academy.ca if you're interested in that. And as we wrap up, I want to introduce something new called simple pleasures. I listened to the podcast with Knox and Jamie. It's it's really funny and it's just like pop culture and I don't have cable or anything. So it's kind of where I learn about what's happening in that world. And I'll listen to it at night, like I said, while I'm washing my face and flossing my teeth. And at the end of all of their episodes, they share a red light, something they're over, they're ex-naying it, and a green light, something they're loving. And I love that part of their show. So I'm going to do my own version of that here. I know that different podcasts do this in different ways. But I want to talk about the simple pleasures, simple things I'm loving from recipes to shows to clothes to products, whatever. And this week I want to talk about an author that I'm loving, Isabel Allende. She is part poet and part researcher, and she's a Chilean author and her books are translated often from Spanish to English, but they don't seem to miss a beat. They've got this beautiful language all without being stuffy. She has a really cool life too. I read about her um, in Wikipedia and in the 50s and 60s, she had a job translating romance novels from English to Spanish and she was fired for adjusting the dialogue to make the heroine sound more intelligent. Like, I just think she's awesome. <laughs> so I recently read, I think it's her one of her newest books, Long Petal of the Sea, and it follows a couple who fled Spain in World War II and immigrated to Chile. Well, World War II was just starting, but she unpacks so much history. Like I learn so much. It feels like she has lived all these little details of it. She just takes you into that time. But she also has these beautiful tales of love and relationships that always make me see things differently. Another book that I had come across, um, I think 
like at a thrift store was called Daughter of Fortune. And I recognized her name, so I just picked it up. That was a great book too. It followed a woman as she grows up in Chile and she follows her lost lover to California during the gold rush. And I learned so many cool things about the gold rush. I love that one. Okay, so epic love stories that aren't like total cheese ball and make you want to puke happily ever after. Fast paced storytelling that's also poetic and history that makes you feel like you've learned something deep and gritty about these areas. And her characters are just so interesting that you will love them. So I'm going to link um, those books in the show notes. Definitely check her out if you're looking for something good to read. And if you can't find the show notes in your podcast player, all you have to do is go to simpleonpurpose.ca because I'm in Canada.ca. Click listen and you are going to find all of the episodes, all of the show notes there. And many of the episodes will also have transcripts if you wanted to go back and read them or if you're kind of like me and you like to read these things. Those are there as well. It's been a pleasure. Have a great week, friends. Friends.